Uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, what a basketball season it has turned into. Oklahoma State goes on the road, wins in Morgantown. We have a lot to discuss with that in the Big 12 tournament, but uh, did you have a good weekend? Uh, I had a great weekend. It was not as good as the weekend that Avery Anderson had, but yes, I had a great weekend. Uh, made it up to Tulsa on Saturday, so I actually got to watch the game sitting at a restaurant with a seven-year-old in my lap, so that was fun. Uh, made it a little difficult to pay attention, but I got to watch the, the whole second half in its entirety, so it was a great game and uh, a good weekend. I hope you didn't launch the kid when Anderson hit that clutch shot late. <laughs> Fortunately, we were back at my in-laws house at that point, And I was sitting by myself in a chair. I did get real fired up though. My, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law, they, they take an interest in sports because of me, but they're not sport people. So they, they definitely probably thought I was getting a little carried away with the celebration of Avery Anderson, but oh man, it was, it was so worth it. Avery was unbelievable. It was an unbelievable performance by him, an unbelievable win. And I want to talk about that in just a second. But first, we got to hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. And I've clicked on the accessories tab on Chris's website. They got some of the coolest masks you could ever find. I know people are getting their vaccines, but we're still in a mask mandate. They have the Cursive Cowboys mask that Mike Boynton likes to wear. We've seen that on TV. They have one with just the brand. My dad would like that. He only rides for the brand. He doesn't like any of the other logos so much on the helmets in football season. Uh, but they do have Pistol Pete, the brand. They even have like the the Pete face with the nose and the mustache as well. So be sure to shop at Christie Mercy Spirit and get your uh, all your mask and COVID-related needs on top of all the other great gear they have. So we appreciate Chris's university spirit. So Colby, I don't think Mike Boynton's wife thought they were going to win this game in Morgantown, considering they didn't have Cade Cunningham still out with the sprained ankle, which we, you and I said was the right call. They didn't have Isaac Likely, their leader and most senior laden player, most experienced player. And all they do is go on the road and beat number six ranked West Virginia to close the regular season. Just routine, huh? Car Carson, you know, shame on all of us, myself included, because I did the exact same thing. I, I saw Cade Cunningham was out on Saturday. I tweeted that it was good news. I did think it was good news. I thought there was no reason to rush him out there. But I have watched Oklahoma State every game all season. I have seen Avery Anderson, Rondell Walker, Bryce Williams, Caleb Boone, Keelan Boone, Matthew Alexander Moncrief. I've seen all these guys get better. They've gotten significantly better throughout the season. And I still, on Saturday, I went into that game with the mindset of, well, this is a throwaway. It's a throwaway. You're playing the number six team in the country. You're in their gym. It's on short rest. They didn't even get to come home between Waco and Morgantown. They flew out straight from Waco to Morgantown Friday morning. I'm like, this is a throwaway game, but it doesn't matter because you beat OU twice. You got 10 wins in conference. You're going to make the tournament. So no biggie, no worries. And shame on me and shame on all of us for not having any more confidence or any more belief in these other guys because – I mean, they showed us what they were capable of on Saturday, and I watched that second half, Carson, in absolute awe of not only Avery Anderson, who was obviously the star of the day, but Matthew Alexander Moncrief was phenomenal, 18 points on 10 shots. Uh, Caleb Boone had 12 points on six shots. That's efficient. And how about Keelan? Keelan, he's been searching for that confidence with his shot. It just hasn't been there. And Saturday, in a game where they really needed it to be there, it was there. He hit some key shots in that second half 
five from three that Oklahoma State might not win the game if he doesn't knock those down. So it was uh, a total team effort led by the superstar performance of Avery Anderson. But it's just it, – it's so much fun – to watch the other guys do that. And, and you know that it meant a lot to them, Carson, to prove, hey, it's not just the cage show. We got a bunch of big guys in Stillwater who can ball. Yeah, I, I think that's well said. I think it proves that it wasn't a fluke when they led at halftime against Baylor without Cade Cunningham and Rondo Walker. I think it speaks to what you said and that this team's talented. And that that's ultimately my biggest takeaway as well. I think we all tended to think when they got Cade Cunningham, okay, even if they have a nice year this year, what's going to happen after Cade leaves after one season? Well, I think we're starting to see what's going to happen is that Mike Boynton has started to stack recruiting classes together of blue chip, highly touted prospects. And you saw that with Avery Anderson. Avery Anderson was a top 120 player in the entire country, legit four-star. And he's been overshadowed to this this point this month, really, in the season because of M.A. Moncrief's high, high rating, obviously Cade Cunningham, He's been a good player, but he's really taken it to another level in the last month. And Mike Boynton said afterwards that Avery Anderson's the most improved player in the entire country. And I think that's it's he's certainly up there with what he's been able to put together the last month. But you mentioned it, the, the role players to me, Colby, give me great optimism for next year. You mentioned Keelan Boone, who really played really well in Bedlam and Stillwater as well. He's come on. There's, they have a lot of depth that, uh, that we haven't seen from, from this team in quite some time. And frankly, I think that's why they were able to win Bedlam in those two grueling close games is they had more depth in Oklahoma. We're starting to see Oklahoma doesn't have much coming off the bench. But first and foremost, Mike Boynton has built a program. He was so hamstrung early in, the se- in, early in his career with lack of numbers, but they're going to be just fine without Cade Cunning. And in fact, they're going to be really good again next year with Avery Anderson pulling the strings because, man, he – Colby, he is electric with the ball in his hands, and obviously he, he filled it up shooting as well. Yeah, he's so much fun to watch, and, you know, it does give you hope for the future. But even just going back to that game on Saturday, and look, Carson, I don't pay close enough attention to the Big Ten, the ACC, the SEC, the Pac-12. I don't pay close enough attention to all that to, to really know – whether Avery Anderson is the most improved player in college basketball. I don't know if there's some kid at Georgia Tech who's more improved, but I can tell you Avery Anderson has so exceeded my expectations for what I thought he would be this season at Oklahoma State. He was, you know, he was a guy that you thought about at the beginning of the season, but he was more or less kind of an afterthought. It was one of those things that like, you know, unless he makes a giant leap, he's probably not going to be that big of a contributor this year and Carson he made a bigger leap than I could have possibly imagined when they're leading by two late in that game and Avery Anderson puts his left hand up and says get out of here and let me go one-on-one and go win us this game I thought to myself he 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 wants it he wants it right now this is his moment and the first thing I thought of Carson as soon as he hit that shot so first off he hits the shot you can see Cade in the background going nuts on the bench everybody's going crazy huge shot game ceiling at the end of the game but the first thing that I thought of Carson is okay let's get into the NCAA tournament and let's get Oklahoma State in a tie game with like seven seconds left inbounding the basketball and what is the opposing coach going to do he's not going to let Cade Cunningham beat him we got to have everybody on Cade Cade's going to get doubled as soon as he touches it Carson there's another guy on this team who wants the ball in his hands in that moment and proved to you that he's ready for that moment that it just that 
was the first thing I thought of. I'm like, okay, if you get in the tournament and you need somebody to hit a shot at the end of the game, a team very well may just totally take Kate out of the equation. And if they do, Avery Anderson, you get to go one-on-one and beat somebody because you've proven that you can do that. And I think we saw that against Texas Tech and Stillwater. They Cade gets the ball, and they obviously double him real quick, but they basically used Cade as a decoy. Cade might not even got the ball, if I remember the play correctly, but Anderson basically got the ball at full speed, full steam ahead, drove to the hoop and got fouled and got to go to the free throw line. So Boynton's already kind of realized what you're saying and that Anderson can handle the big moment too. And he said that, uh, you know, Cade's our best player, but he says Anderson's the best guy we have at creating a shot. He said, Cade's our best guy at the end of the day. Avery understands that at the end of games, Cade's going to have the ball in his hands. But I don't feel bad at all basically giving it to, to Avery Anderson, which, which is what you speak of. And they're going to need that, Colby, because you're right, because teams are going to throw. There was a game they lost early in the year, too, where, where Cade got doubled, didn't get a, a quality shot and quality look. And I think that's maybe when Mike started to reevaluate, you know, maybe using Cade as a decoy there. But, no, I mean, Anderson's awesome. This is going to be his team probably next year. I don't know what's going to happen with Isaac Likely. I'd like to see a Likely get back on the floor which makes this run they've had here at the end of the season, Colby, even more impressive. I mean, OSU now has eight Quadrant One wins. That's tied for second in the country. They now have double-digit Big 12 wins for just the second time in the past 16 years. And, they, Colby, they have the most wins over ranked opponents since the 2003-2004 Final Four team. That's the resume they've built here. Like, I didn't see this coming. Like, I thought they'd be good, and I thought Kay would certainly be as good as he's been, and I thought they would make the NCAA tournament. But, Colby, they got one of the best resumes in the entire country when you look at it. Carson, I, I thought coming into this season that they would be good, but do you remember way back when, it feels like it was a decade ago, this team beat Oral Roberts 83-78 to 78 in Gallagher-Iba Arena. It's a bunch of just kids out there. They're pups trying to learn how to play college basketball, and they beat ORU by five points on their home floor. And I thought to myself at that moment, I was like, okay, this could be Ben Simmons at LSU. This could be a team that doesn't make the tournament, just has one star on it. I thought this could be Markel Fultz at Washington. They didn't make the tournament. They just had a star on it. And, and those thoughts, those that was a very real possibility. Carson, it's the opposite. It's starting to look more like what Carmelo did at Syracuse than it is what Ben Simmons did at LSU. It, it's, it's a great team that also has a great player on it. And I tweeted this Saturday as soon as the game was over. I might have tweeted it as soon as Avery Anderson hit that shot. That them being able to do what they did on Saturday to go into West Virginia against the sixth ranked team in the country and win without not only Cade Cunningham, but also Isaac Likely, the two guys who everyone would unequivocally agree are the leaders on this team, for them to go in and win that game on the road, that is a product of the culture that Mike Boynton has built at Oklahoma State and the belief that he has instilled in every single guy top to bottom on that roster that they are good enough and that they can do it and that they are ready for that moment. And the culture at Oklahoma State right now, it's just, you know, even when Marcus Smart, Markel Brown, LeBron Nash, and all those guys were there, it still, it feels different to me at this moment from a culture standpoint, Carson. It feels as steady as it's felt in 15 years, probably. It really does. And I want to ask you more about Mike Boynton, his future at OSU too. But just the, the West Virginia game, Colby, not only did they win without those two guys you mentioned, they had 20 turnovers. Again, just kind of what they do, 20 turnovers. Uh, Rondo Walker and Bryce Williams 
went for a combined two of 11 from the floor, scored a total of five points combined. By, by the way, Bryce Williams had the old 4.8 turnover game, which is never what you want to see from a box score standpoint, but he gave him a ton on the defensive end. Hey, he had six assists, only, you know, two more turnovers than assists. But uh, <laughs> to me, just you show me this box score and don't tell me the final score or don't show me the point totals. Like, okay, no K, no likely uh, two starters combined to score five points on two of 11 shooting. There's no chance they go on the road and beat West Virginia, but they did. And I think that just, again, Anderson took over. I think Mike Boynton's done a great job mixing up his defenses as well. And that's kind of where I wanted to go next, Colby. Before we talk about the Big 12 tournament, seeding, NCAA tournament, uh, Mike Boynton has arrived. I think, you know, I've talked a lot in the last few weeks about how much I liked his potential. We all did. I mean, the recruiting – his Q rating was higher than probably Mike Gundy's, who's had an infinite more amount of success. Mike Boynton had a losing record in Big 12 play uh, coming into this year. But now that he has these type of results, I do think it's important that OSU locks him up with a new contract. He is the lowest paid coach in the Big 12, making around a million dollars a year. Uh, the, the level of excitement he's built at OSU, you can't afford to have the Brad Underwood situation anymore. I mean, look what Brad Underwood's doing at Illinois. They're ranked, you know, they're going to be a number one seed in the tournament. He left because he wasn't happy with his pay. Granted, that was after one season. I think Brad deserves some blame there as well. But the fact of the matter is, Colby, they cannot afford to let Mike Boynton walk. For the first time in, gosh, 15, 20 years, it looks like they have true sustainable momentum in the basketball program. Yeah, and I'm going to draw a parallel here. And I can't remember if I said this on this show or if I just said this talking to my wife. Um, Mike Boynton is to college basketball what Lincoln Riley is to college football. He is the young, hungry guy who came in as an assistant. You, you know, you weren't real sure about him, but then he lit the world on fire. It was more immediate for Lincoln Riley, obviously for all the reasons we've talked about with Mike Boynton. But now the situations are very similar, which is you either pay this guy and make sure he's happy where he's at, because if you don't want to do that, there are about 200 other suitors who would love to pay this guy and have him be happy where they're at. He's the hot commodity right now in college basketball. Young, hungry, recruiter, loves the game. Uh, you know, the, the guys want to play for him. Bryce Williams tweeted yesterday, and he said, when your coach will do anything for you, you're not afraid to do anything for him. And that's just the relationship that you can see he's built with his players. He's totally won over the fan base. It's just been this perfect storm of everything coming together this year, all the adversity that he faced in his first few years and the adversity that he will continue to face if and when this NCAA appeal ever comes down. It's just, it's remarkable the way he's handled it all and he will get paid. Uh, and I certainly hope that it is by Oklahoma state because you know, I look, I'm not advocating for a 10-year contract again. I think we can all agree that 10 years yeah. is a little bit too long in the modern world. Uh, but he deserves to get paid because he has taken a basketball program at Oklahoma State that looked like it was just about to die. It was just on life support about to die. And he has totally revitalized it uh, and brought it back close to its former glory. So uh, he's the man for what he's done this year. And his salary, I think, at this time next year will reflect that. I would think so, too. Obviously, that's one of the biggest first steps for Chad Weiberg taking over as athletic director. Obviously, Mike Holder made the hire. And what it, 
what a genius hire this is turning out to be. I mean, when he, I mean, again, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with, with Mike Boynton being paid the lowest in the big 12. You look at some of the names and proven names that he's coaching against every single night. No one had heard of this guy when he was hired. So I, I was, I'm totally fine with his contract that he has right now, but now he's outperformed it. That's when you give raises. You don't give a raise for one season of winning a game in the tournament like Travis Ford. I think you're starting to see Boynton has built a program in his own vision. When he showed up for his introductory press conference, I covered that. He said, I wanted long, athletic people who will guard your face off. And I think you're starting to see he's got long, athletic dudes that just wear you out over the course of a game. I think that's why they've won some of these games coming down the stretch against Oklahoma and certainly against West Virginia as well. So I think Chad Weiberg's razor sharp. I think he will get that done. I don't think we're going to have a repeat of the Brad Underwood situation, but it is important to note that he is a hot commodity. I've always, Colby, kind of been a little afraid of, of Syracuse being that he's a New York guy. And again, I know Mike's from you know New York City. Syracuse isn't exactly in, in, in Manhattan. I know I understand that, but I saw Jim Beheim ripping another reporter. He's getting crotchety at his old age. I, I've always been a little bit worried about Syracuse. And then I saw that Jim Beheim clip and I was like, oh, they better lock up Mike Boynton or you know, a blue blood like like Syracuse may come calling. Yeah, Beheim's the worst. First off, I've never really cared much for Jim Beheim. <laughs> he's a cheater um, too. He's a cheater too, and he got you know he's yeah. in the Hall of Fame and all that crap. But Eddie right, Sutton yeah. got over and he got goals. into the Hall of Fame like day one, and because somebody on the committee didn't like Eddie Sutton, he didn't get in uh, mm-hmm. for twenty years until he was you know basically on his deathbed and couldn't enjoy it. But that's we've covered that in many previous podcasts, so we don't need to get <laughs> totally down that rabbit hole. Um, you know, I I don't know. Some people want to go back home. Some people want to do that whole thing. Some people don't. It, it, it's an individual basis. You know, we, and I compare it to NBA players. You know, some of these guys in the NBA, like it meant everything for LeBron to go back and do it in Cleveland. But Steph's not going to Charlotte. Katie's not going to Washington. It, it's some guys want to be there. Some guys don't. And I, I don't know if he makes himself happy in Stillwater and this is his home. That's just... That's on him. If, if he ever decides that he wants to go back home, that's not something that I'll ever fault anybody for because we all have attachments to where we grew up and stuff like that and family and, and everything that goes into that. But it's just an individual basis. I, I think that's the kind of thing that if I were to give OSU fans a piece of advice to keep you sane as his name will inevitably pop up on job radars, it's just some guys don't want to go home. They don't. Some guys get happy. They enjoy their job, you, you know, I'm from Chickasha and I can tell you almost, I, and I love going back there. My parents live there. I love going back there to see my parents. And it's cool to be in the town. I mean, I can tell you that unless something goes real wrong, I'm never going to live in Chickasha again. I don't have any interest in doing so. So everybody's different. You just got to take it case by case. Uh, I'd say worry about it when the time comes, but don't lose any sleep over it in the meantime. Cause I think he's, uh, I think he's pretty happy in Stillwater and will be for a while. Yeah. And you certainly don't, see as much movement in college basketball jobs like you do in college football. I think, I mean, I mean, big time college football programs open up jobs all the time. You don't really see that in basketball. Guys are coaching well into their seventies and staying at some of the primo jobs. So that, I don't think you have to panic either just in terms of, you know, college basketball jobs, not as much turnover. So OSU will get a rematch against West Virginia in the first round of the big 12 tournament. They're going to play West Virginia. Run it back. 10.30 on uh, Thursday morning, I believe, the morning game on Thursday. They're going to go up to Kansas City, and I guess they left early. Uh, maybe today I saw on a tweet somewhere that they were already heading up there to get acclimated to the the bubble. 
and that, you know, we haven't heard anything from the NCAA. They're, they're going up to Kansas City to play in the Big 12 tournament. Obviously, at this point, Colby, it looks as if they're going to be allowed to play in the postseason. Yeah, look, if the NCAA were to actually have the audacity, Carson, to come down this week or next and say that the Oklahoma State sanctions have been upheld and they don't get to play in any postseason tournaments, uh, someone would, like, go burn the offices to the ground. I don't even know. Are they in Atlanta? Is that where they're at? I don't even know if there are any Oklahoma State fans in Atlanta, but there's just no way that they're going to do that. There's just no way that they're going to do that. Uh, again, that's another one of those things that I wouldn't lose sleep over unless it happens because it's so unlikely that it happens. Oklahoma State will be in the Big 12 tournament. They will be in the NCAA tournament, uh, barring the NCAA just totally crossing a line that I don't even think the NCAA is willing to cross. I would hope not, but it would be so OSU if they did, right? I mean, they make bizarre so decisions all the time. I mean, Des Bryant has dinner with oh. someone that, you know, is a professional athlete or Deion Sanders retired, didn't break a rule and still got suspended the rest of the year. So yeah. that's another year. rabbit hole. We don't need to go not down. the rest but... of the year, a calendar year. Okay, I'm going to start that's yelling. That's true. Yeah. We're good. Basketball season. We're happy. Uh, we deep breaths. Deep breaths. Deep breaths. In the last so, five minutes, we've gotten to Eddie Sutton and Des Bryant. That's not good for my heart rate. No, that, that God, that's infuriating just thinking about it. So, yeah, they have West Virginia, who's now ranked 10th. So it'll be another top 10 win if they were able to beat West Virginia in the first round. I, I tend to think their seeding's pretty locked, barring a deep run in the Big 12 tournament. I think they're looking at, at a four, maybe a three. I think, they're, I think they have an argument for a three, but most – Joe Lenardi and most of the seeding people have them as a four. But again, they can certainly improve their seeding, Colby. And again, I, I mentioned their resume earlier. How about these wins in non-conference play? Marquette, Wichita State, and Arkansas. Arkansas is ranked in the top 10. Wichita State's number one in the Summit League. Uh, let's see how Marquette's doing. I'm not sure how Marquette's been this year. But okay, they Marquette's 500. in the year, but they kind they're of fell five, off. They're 500. But again, maybe they had injuries. Who knows? But point remains. They beat uh, Wichita State, who's going to be in the tournament. And they beat Arkansas, who's now vaulted up into the top 10, in addition to everything they've done in Big 12 play. So, again, I'm, I'm not worried about their resume. I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on, on kind of where you think they stand in, in seeding and, and maybe how high they could get with maybe a run to the, the Big 12 championship game in, in uh, Kansas City. Yeah, and a lot of this, again, depends on the the health of Cade Cunningham. Uh, you know, what they did Saturday was unbelievable. Could they back it up on Thursday without Cade? Sure they could, uh, but, you know, Kate's Kate. It, it's going to help to have him out there in these tournaments, single elimination format. It's nice to have that star because if nothing else, you know, you can put it in his hands at the end of the games and he'll go win it. And if a team tries to take him away, put it in Avery's hands and he'll go win it. Um, I, I think that this team would probably need to beat West Virginia and then win maybe one more game in the Big 12 tournament to get them up on that three line. Uh, I think if they lose to West Virginia, then they're going to be locked into either a four or five, depending on what else happens around the country. You know, like if some other team is right now slotted in as a six, and then they go on a magic run and get to the finals of their conference tournament, then that might bump them up to the four line, might bump OSU down to the five line. But Carson, I think the ceiling for this team is a three seed and I think the floor is a five seed and for me that's a very comfortable place to be going into the conference tournament uh and I would have no qualms about resting Cade or Ice if they still need it this week in Kansas City if they don't if they're healthy enough run them out but if they still need it I tell you what I think they're guaranteed between a three and a five and I like Oklahoma State's chances in that scenario Absolutely. I mean, obviously, you want to win every game and, and certainly win a Big 12 championship as far as the tournament's concerned. But 
I'm kind of with you. Like, I think you've seen in years past, teams can can make a run in the conference tournament. It kind of wears them down. And this year especially, it's going to be insane that it's like a bubble and then they're going to be in another bubble in Indianapolis. Like, I don't know. Like, obviously, I think if they lose in the first round, they might get that, – that, that certainly opens the door for the committee to bump them down to maybe a five. But I'm kind of with you. I think they're pretty much locked into a four. Deep run, even maybe perhaps winning the tournament. I think they get up to a three. But that – they're firmly, firmly locked into a high seed and NCAA tournament. And again, I think Colby, it's important for me that they avoid kind of an inside scoring presence like McCormick at Kansas. I think so much of March Madness is based on matchups. You know, when the first rounds come out, you see all the analysis on each first round game. And a lot of it has to do with the style of play of each team. So that's something I'm going to be looking forward to, obviously, as we go to the Big 12 tournament, but mainly in the NCAA tournament as well, just how they're going to combat some inside scoring because that's that's something that's given them trouble a lot, uh, a lot this year, really. Yeah, it absolutely has, and I, I don't know. I just I, I want to go back to uh, to Cade Nice this week. Cade Nice this week, Thursday. You play them? Do you like what percentage would they need to be for you to run them out? 70, 80, 90? Probably ninety, even eighty. I would be maybe willing to if they were just you know adamant that they play. I. I would play likely. I probably wouldn't play Cade. That's just. I yeah. I, I, again, I don't know. You know, they're, this is Cade's only year. I'm sure he wants to play. And I mean, I don't know. It's, it's a tough, it's a tough decision, but because especially, you know, big 12 tournament, it's, it's bang, bang, bang. You're playing games, you know, the whole week. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a tough scenario to throw in a guy who's recovering from an injury into. Yeah. Here, here's how I determine if Cade plays Thursday, you don't play Cade Thursday unless you're willing to play him three times in three days. If you're not willing to play him three times in three days, then you can't run him out Thursday. So it just depends on how good he's feeling. But then you get to the point where it's like, oh, okay, you don't run guys out uh, on Thursday. And then what if the team loses? And then you you run Caden Ice out next week. And now the chemistry is a little off because they all haven't played together in a while, especially with Ice. I don't know. It's, uh, it, it's the reason that Mike Boynton will soon get paid the big bucks because – I, I don't know. It depends on how healthy those guys are. You just have to talk to them and see uh, what they think and what the trainers think, because we all know the athlete more often than not is going to make himself uh, or herself seem a little less injured than maybe they actually are because everybody wants to play Carson. And I don't, I don't fault him for that for a second, only season, especially for Kate. I don't fault him for wanting to play. Uh, but that's why Mike Boynton has to make sure that he's doing whatever is right to make sure that this team uh, can make a run. Hopefully, theoretically maybe to the final four in a couple weeks yeah and I think that's encouraging when you get likely and Cunningham back for the NCAA tournament that I think Mike has learned that he doesn't have to shorten his bench maybe as much as he thought he did I think Keelan Boone has really provided a lift who we've mentioned on the show Farron Flavors has proven he can get on the floor and play after you know he was out for a long time so I think his bench got a little deeper than maybe he was anticipating just as little as over a month ago and I think that's encouraging come tournament time because, you know, in by tournament, you never know how the game will be officiated. Foul trouble can become a thing, but they're going to look like a completely loaded roster when they get likely and, and Cade back considering how well they played uh, without them the last, you know, few games. So, yeah, I mean, my question is whose minutes get cut into because guys are playing good basketball right now. Uh, you know, Bryce didn't shoot it well Saturday, but he had the big game against OU. I, I should say he had the big half against OU in Stillwater where he got hot. Avery, obviously, Avery's got to keep getting his minutes. Um, I, I don't know. Keelan played 27 minutes on Saturday, but I've got a feeling that when push comes to, to shove, 
Ice and Cade both get back and you've got to lose some minutes somewhere. I've got a feeling uh, that the 45 combined minutes that Keelan Boone and Farron Flavors played on Saturday, that's probably where the minute allocation is going to look a little bit different. Uh, no, no knock to those guys. They were both huge in that game. Farron Flavors hit the, the elbow jumper in the second half at a big moment. Keelan Boone with those threes that I mentioned earlier, hit some big shots and some big moments. But there's only so many minutes to go around. And when Cade and Ice get back, I would guess that that's where those minutes will come from. What about Big Bernie, Bernard Kuma? Oh, Big Burner. How about the foul that he fouled out on Saturday, Carson? <laughs> was that garbage or was that just my uh, TV set? Well, don't get me started again on the refs. You know me. That's oh, a weekly were, segment for me. Were, were they worse Saturday even than they were Thursday? Oh, they, it's about the same. They, they, they just – I don't know what's going on with them. But it, and, again, I don't want to sound like, you know, the refs are – Screwing my team. The refs are out to get us. I don't want to sound like that, but it's it's inarguable. They've been objectively terrible the last I, okay, so two times I, out. I have a theory. I have a theory as to why it has seemed so much worse this year. Well, they wanted Baylor to win to get a one seed. That that helped. Yeah, that, that could help. But but here's my theory. So Thunder basketball has reigned supreme in this state for the last decade because they've been really good. And this is more of a rebuilding year for Thunder basketball. Not only that, a lot more people have done things like I have. My wife and I, we switched to YouTube TV. Guess what we don't get on YouTube TV? We don't get Fox Sports Oklahoma. I haven't watched the Thunder game yet this season, but I don't cover the Thunder anymore, so who cares? But all I've watched is Oklahoma State basketball after not watching much college basketball for the last, you know, five years because I've been watching the thunder. So all I've been watching for five years is the NBA. And then I switched to college. And I tell you what, Carson, it's, it's like, you, you know, major league guys, baseball players, all the way down to the lowest level, they swing with a weighted bat. So the bat feels lighter, boy, that NBA bat feels real light, feels real nice. And I appreciate the job those officials do. And then I turn it over to college basketball and, and it feels like I'm swinging with that weight on my bat. They're just blowing their whistles at every turn for the most ridiculous nonsense block charges are just a coin flip like they might as well actually just flip a coin and then tell us if it's a block or a charge it uh yeah my theory is that we've gotten so engulfed in the nba that now that we've kind of switched back to college basketball as a state because this has been the most exciting year in a while for college basketball especially for oklahoma state um it's been a a stark contrast for me going from NBA officiating to college officiating. I think there's really something to that. I kind of mentioned that too. Just, I think NBA officials get so many calls, right. Even when they go to the monitors, they usually get it pretty close to right. And they, they, they miss calls just like any officials going to it's human error. But I just feel like the college refs just make it up on the fly and just, they have no idea. And just, ah, I just feel like pointing this way this time. And there's no rhyme or reason to, to their judgment, but uh, it was, it was really bad again. And again, OSU, had 20 turnovers. They made life tough on themselves, but they haven't got a fair whistle, in my opinion, in the last couple of games out. But yeah, with that and said, they to... overcame it on sun, on Saturday. Yeah, they overcame it big time. Big time win. Again, just an unbelievable run they're on here to end the season and going into March Madness and the Big 12 tournament. Let's get the buckets and bricks, Colby. What do you got? Buckets and bricks. Carson, how does the bucket not go to Avery Anderson? Yours is probably the same. 31 points. Not only did he have 31 points, Carson, he had 31 points on 14 shots and he made me look really smart. And like, I can see into the future because on Saturday in the first half, when he had seven points, he had seven points. I don't know what minute mark it was the first half. I had logged into my Twitter and I said, Avery might drop 30 today. It just 
it looked like he had that, that mode. And keep in mind, his career high going into Saturday was 17. I said, Avery might drop 30 today. And what does he do? Goes for 31 on 14 shots. He had six rebounds to go along with it. The ball was in his hands all day. He ended up with four turnovers, which is not bad. And he played the last, what, five, six minutes of that game with four fouls and was very smart and safe and careful to keep himself out on the floor. So all the buckets go to Avery Anderson for his performance on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously the choice. I mean, 31 points. And again, I think it illustrates that this program is going to be just fine whenever Cade gets drafted number one overall. Avery Anderson is, whew, he's he's coming on late and it's it's been exciting to watch his evolution. I'm going to go with Mike Boynton again. I mean, I don't know how many people gave them a chance to win that game. And he spoke very eloquently after the game about how, you know, the, the deck was stacked against them with the big 12 scheduling. He's like, this doesn't bother me. Like I, I enjoy the challenge. I enjoy competing. And he, again, he just, every time I listen to this guy talk, I just, I come away more and more impressed and just kind of reiterate what we've talked about a lot. Just, I mean, I think he deserves a contract extension, deserves a raise. I mean, after they beat West Virginia Colby, he's hanging out at the OSU baseball game. Seems right? like he really seems like he really enjoys Stillwater. Really loves bring, raising his young family there. So, hopefully, Mike Boyden's here to stay because he is just—he's really absolutely revitalized a basketball program that hasn't had anything go its way in in about 15 years. So it's sign the man, pay the man, and well done to Mike Boynton. Yeah, absolutely. He, uh, the, the way he's ingrained himself in Oklahoma state culture is really pretty awesome. He goes to the baseball games with his son. Uh, you, you know, he just, he gets it. We we've talked about it. He just absolutely gets it for my brick Carson. There, there's not like a, a mega brick that I want to give out today. Nobody's done anything crazy or outlandish. So I just figured, why don't I go to the box score? Why don't I go to the box score and we'll figure out who gets the brick and Carson, it is Sean McNeil from West Virginia who gets the literal brick for the way he shot the ball on Saturday, three of 13 from the floor and a very impressive one of eight from three point land. Sean McNeil, you are a major contributor in the Cowboys win on Saturday. And we thank you. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, I'll go with the refs again. It's a, it's a weekly, weekly segment for me. But again, I, again, I think OSU, they don't get an unfair whistle versus the rest of the league. I'm not saying that. It's just, it's it's to me, it's it's not conspiracy. I think people when I when I criticize the officiating, they they think I'm being a conspiracy theorist that the world's out to get OSU. No, it's it's more of an incompetence issue for me. Not knowing what a block and a charge is, always leaning towards, you know, charge instead of block when the guy's moving his feet clearly. I just, it's inconsistent. It's incompetent. It makes the game so hard to watch. It's why college basketball ratings, it's one of the many reasons college basketball ratings have gone down over the years because it's just, it just, it's painful. It's absolutely painful. I can't imagine how yelling guy is doing watching this games in person at Gallagher Ibe Arena, but that's my brick. Yeah, that's a good one. That's definitely a good one. Uh, one interesting thing, is that where we're headed? Yep. All right, one interesting thing for me, and this was kind of an, an interesting one yesterday, very interesting. Oklahoma State has now played 4,052 baseball games in its history, and Sunday's was the sixth to end in a tie. So the game entered the ninth inning, tied at three. Great baseball game, right? Oklahoma State's undefeated, number one in the RPI, trying to keep it going. Uh, Grand Canyon ends up scoring in the top of the ninth. Oh, here we go. And then what happens? Oklahoma State. Brock Mathis, uh, I believe, hit a bomb in the bottom of the ninth, tied it up at four. The bottom of the ninth ends. Game's over. Game's tied at four. It's over. Grand Canyon had to get out for curfew. 
Oh no. Oh no. We can't play extra innings because of curfew that, uh, I tell you what, Carson, I know I've been at, uh, I was at that 17 or 18 inning bedlam game back in like 2014. I sat out the freezing cold until about 1230 in the morning. I understand if you get into extra innings in baseball, you could be there for another couple hours, but it was a day game. I mean, it ended at, what, 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon? I don't even know exactly what time it was that the yeah. game ended. We don't have another hour in us. We don't have two more hours in us. I, I thought it was very odd that they had to leave uh, because of curfew. But all in all, I guess I'm glad Oklahoma State scored one in the ninth because a tie is better than a loss. Yeah, see, I, I was working you know, at Channel 5, so I needed to get to the bottom of this. So I Googled just, what is it? What is a curfew deal here for a tie? <laughs> Well, apparently it's pretty common in college baseball. It's happened a lot yeah. in the SEC of all places, you know, the place that has all the money because apparently it's a financial deal to where the commercial flight that they're booked on takes precedence over the result of the game. It's just a financial deal, which even, I guess this occurs, I found an old article about the South Carolina coach complaining about it. So I'd never heard of this. I did not know the travel curfew thing was a thing. But so I was, I was totally dismayed that a baseball game ended in a tie due to a curfew. But apparently that's what it is, Colby. That's, that's all I could learn about it. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring up South Carolina because that's where Lamont Evans coached and committed violations, which resulted in a very minor slap on the wrist for South Carolina. <laughs> so it all comes full circle, Carson. Very yep. minor slap on the wrist for the Gamecocks. Yeah, my one interesting thing is, uh, did you see this slide by Noah? Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. Sifrit? There's not a pronunciation guy on the roster. They need to put that up there OSU, if you're <laughs> listening. But he he's sliding into home for OSU. They tweeted at SportsCenter with this play. And the catcher is in his way. And he basically, like, stops his slide and, like, does a forward jump, basically, over the tag and tags before the guy can tag him out. It's one of the most unbelievable plays at the plate you can see. He starts to slide with his leg downward and decides against it and just pops right over him. It's pretty It's pretty insane. So – one of the highlights early of the baseball season so far. Yeah, it, it was. It was uh, who tweeted about it? Yeah, it was Kendall Daniels, the recruit from Beggs, who decommitted from AM and is now headed to Oklahoma State. Quote tweeted the video of it and said, Man, I don't know much about baseball, but that looks hard. And yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, I played baseball was my first love until I was about a junior in high school. I played baseball my whole life growing up. And it is so difficult to contort your body mid slide like that. He'd already gone into his slide and decided, you know what? I need to dodge, duck, dip, dive, and dodge and avoid this tag. And he did. And uh, yeah, it was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. Good dodgeball reference there. Yeah. Uh, Victor Hovland, Victor Hovland kind of faded on the weekend. Uh, Victor Hovland was in my DraftKings lineup. Victor Hovland faded hard on the weekend. 77 Saturday. And I don't actually even know what he shot yesterday, but it was not good. Uh, also, Oklahoma State had another Cowboy on the very wrong end of the leaderboard. Of the 72 players to make the cut, Carson, Ricky Fowler finished 72nd in the field. Yeah, I saw that. Yep. He's, He's searching, man. He's searching. Yeah. He, he can't make putts, and his TD Green game's gone. But He, he had one round out of four better than 76. Yeah, so we're, we're definitely not going to see him at Augusta for the first time you know, in a very, very long time for him. So that's – it's disappointing. Matthew Wolf's also out of the players as well. He's he's still out, um, undisclosed reasons. But uh, so those guys are struggling. But Victor Hovland, man, he's he's going to be in contention every week with the way he hits it. So it's been a lot of fun watching the OSU guys 
Yeah, um, last uh, last I read about Wolf was that he's still battling a little bit of the hand injury that got him earlier in the season, but I think he'll be back. At the very worst, I think he'll be back at Augusta. I don't think it would keep him out for any longer than that, but he's the only player in the top 50 who will not be at the players this week. Uh, Cowboys in the field. I know Hovland will be there. Uh, Ricky will be there. Taylor Gooch is in the field. Uh, I'm sure Alex Noren will be in the field. I'm just off the top of my head. Chucky Three Sticks, I bet. We'll be out there. Christopher Ventura, maybe, probably not. I don't know how he's got himself in the uh, world rankings, but he did provide one of the coolest moments on Sunday. Christopher Ventura, Oklahoma State Cowboy, made an ace at Bay Hill yesterday. Ace Ventura, so congrats to him. Yeah, that was a great line by David Faraday calling him Ace Ventura. <laughs> That's so, so good. Faraday. So good. I think it's just Christopher. I don't think you have to go all Nordic on me there. Oh, is it Christopher? What did I, I say? Christopher. Christopher. Did I say Christopher? You're, okay. Yeah, well, you're going you're going full Norwegian on me. Maybe, maybe that's how he pronounces it, but I covered a few OSU golf tournaments and they just called him Christopher. Yeah, it's K-R-I-S-T-O-F-F-E-R. So it's spelled a little funny. Also, should make note, he had the highest finish this past week at Bay Hill of all Norwegians who played their college golf at Oklahoma State. That's true. Beat there are two the, of them. Uh, there's only two. Beat out only two. It's a very niche market. The Norwegians who played their college golf at Oklahoma State. Christopher Ventura finished T36 at two over. And uh, Victor Hovland was T49 at four over. And then Taylor Gooch was T43 at three over. Another former Oklahoma State Cowboy. Yep. A lot of Cowboys on the tour. Colby, good to catch up with you. Obviously, OSU will have to recap their game against West Virginia at 1030 on Thursday. But March Madness is here. It's Boynton season. And uh, we'll talk to you again on Friday. Go Pokes. Beat the Mountaineers again.